And so as we think about um, those beloved saints, I thought it was appropriate that, and apparently the people who developed the lectionary thought it was appropriate, that on this Sunday, this would be a good scripture text for us to look at. Because this scripture text is pointed to remind us that you, you and I are children of the resurrection. That's what Jesus called us, children of the resurrection. And so when we think about that concept on this All Saints Sunday, I thought it might be helpful to give you a little context because this 20th chapter of Luke is really a chapter that is going after Jesus' authority, not in a good way, but in a way to try to disprove his authority or to chip away at his authority. And these acts are being done by religious leaders, religious leaders who are not in agreement with him. Now they have, for instance, the religious leaders have brought an outright challenge to Jesus. They have given him a test about whether they should pay taxes to Caesar or not. You remember that scripture? And then in this chapter is also um, where they ask about the son of, the, of, of God, the Messiah, and in that particular interchange uh, between the Pharisees and uh, some of the scribes, I guess, and, and, the, and Jesus, um, they share with Jesus that they don't believe that he is the son of God. And then for our section today, this is another group called the Sadducees. And they were kind of the aristocratic group in the temple. And uh, they, they, were, they had a lot of honor and prestige and status and wealth. And they were distinct in terms of their beliefs because they believed in Moses and the Torah as the best understanding of who God is. And so when they're asking Jesus about the resurrection, it may be helpful to know that they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead like you and I believe in the resurrection of the dead. So when they are testing Jesus, they are testing him to see whether he is going to be obedient to the scriptures, obedient to Moses and to Moses' teachings. What I find remarkable is that throughout this chapter, what you really see in Jesus' response to all these questions and challenges is that you see that Jesus, you, you see his character. You see the character of Jesus. I mean, Jesus, when he is pushed, he doesn't run away, but he doesn't get revenge. He's not angry. Jesus responds to the questions honestly, truthfully, and then in his response, he continues to be respectful. He doesn't run away from the questions. He doesn't evade the questions. He addresses the questions directly. 
And so you see the character of Jesus here. And he teaches with authority as he responds to these questions, which is kind of interesting because he teaches with the very thing that they refuse to acknowledge, <laughs> that Jesus' authority comes from God. Jesus turns the question of this riddle that the Sadducees give to him, he turns it from obedience, which they're trying to find, and instead turns it to understanding, right, rightful understanding or correct understanding. To understand Moses means to interpret the scriptures faithfully. And that's the issue with the riddle for Jesus. So let's get started by looking at the Sadducees' riddle and Jesus' reference to the resurrection on this All Saints Sunday. Now, some of you have heard me tell you this terrible joke. It's a really bad dad joke. No, it's not a dad joke. It's a bad pastor's joke. But it's a great way to remember some of these different groups of Jewish leaders. The Sadducees didn't, didn't believe in the resurrection, and that's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> see, they're learning. They're learning. So, <laughs> so the Sadducees give him this riddle, and let's just review a few of the verses from that here. Verses 28 to 33. They pose the question, Teacher, Moses gave us a law that if a man dies, leaving a wife but no children, his brother should marry the widow and have a child who will carry on the brother's name. Well, suppose there were seven brothers. The oldest one married and then died without children. So the second brother married the widow, but he also died. Then the third brother married her. This continued with all seven of them who died without children. Finally, the woman also died. So tell us, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? For all seven were married to her. The Sadducees, they believed that life after death was accomplished by the continuation of your progeny, of, of one's family lineage. So if your family lineage ended, that was the end of your eternal reign. And so for the Sadducees, they're trying to it could sound like they're being respectful. They're just asking a question. But I think most scholars would say today that um, in the context that Luke has put this into, that it is um, kind of an attack on Jesus to try to trap him. They want to see if he's going to be obedient to the law of Moses. And so this was taken from the interpretation of marriage from Moses and the Torah. But Jesus responds in a way that they hadn't expected. And I think maybe Jesus responds in a way that we wouldn't have expected because we often think, well, you know, will we be married in heaven, right? I mean, you love your wife, you love your husband, you want to be married in heaven, right? And so when Jesus says there is no marriage in heaven, it's kind of like, well, wait a minute, Jesus. You sure you want to go that far? But let's take a deeper look at what Jesus is getting at here. 
Instead of responding to the riddle, Jesus shares us an interpretation of Moses, an interpretation of scripture that upholds the resurrection of the dead. This is where he turns the question from obedience to faithful understanding of the scriptures. Jesus talks about who will receive a place in the resurrection of the dead. He makes a distinction here by describing those who belong to this age. Those who belong to this age live in this world, live in this culture, live in this era. Those who belong to this age are those who are considered worthy um, for this age. And so their, their status is identified by how prestigious they are, by how much honor they receive when they go out into the public square, and by how much wealth and power they control. That is the world of this age. How many of you are saving or have saved for re your retirement? Anybody? Hopefully. Yeah, so we're people of this age, you know, because we're concerned about finances, about wealth, about um, our power. How many of you are going to, to uh, vote or have already voted in the election? You know, we're, we're worried about our power, right? And so we are creatures of this age. However, Jesus says, there is also another age, and that is the age to come. The age to come is not just a reference about heaven, but it's a reference about a whole different perspective of life. Because when we think about heaven, as Christians, heaven's not just this ethereal little kingdom place way up in the sky, you know, for some day later on. Jesus said that heaven is also breaking into this age, breaking into this world, into this culture. And so when Jesus talks about the age to come, he says that those who are considered worthy for the age to come are the sons of this age. I'm sorry, this are the sons of God. And um, whereas the sons of this age would be described, uh, Jesus would describe many of the Sadducees as certainly tied into the, the, to this age, what he is talking about in terms of the age to come is different. He says, these are the sons of God. They are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. The quote-unquote sons of God are identified by their character, by their faithfulness, and by their actions. So people like Abraham and Sarah, people like Isaac and Rebecca, people like Jacob and Rachel, I guess we have to include Leah there too, right? Um, these people, Jesus said, 
are people that have attained a different stature. They're not concerned with, they were not concerned with their status, with their wealth, with their power. They were focused on mercy, on faithfulness, and these are the children of God. They are truly sons and daughters of the Most High God. Jesus said that this age to come will be identified with the end of death, and it will be identified by the resurrection of the dead. When you think about that, it makes sense then to hear what Jesus is saying. Marriage is for people here on earth, but in the age to come, remember that future age, those worthy of being raised from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. Radical thing to say. I mean, leave it to Jesus to say radical things. This is why they wanted to kill him. And so what he's saying is that these people, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, Rachel, these people, you people, you are identified differently by God because you live your lives with acts of mercy, with generosity, even with love for your enemies. Now that's a tough one. How many of you, including me, are praying for the candidates that we did not vote for? <laughs> but Jesus said, love your enemy. Pray for your enemy. You see, we are supposed to be identified differently than the world. And that's what Jesus is trying to, to teach the Sadducees about the resurrection. Is that the people of the resurrection are not concerned with the, what they leave behind here. What they're concerned about is are people being cared for? Are we loving our enemies? Are we praying for those who are in need? Are we serving those who cannot serve themselves? These are the children of God. In Luke chapter 6, a little bit earlier, verses 32 to 36, Jesus says this, If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. But this is what Jesus says. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will be truly acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are thankful. I mean, he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. So you also must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Jesus' teachings are hard, aren't they? 
what he's trying to remind us, what he was trying to help the Sadducees to see, is that it's not just helpful to be good to those who are good to us, but can we be good to those who despise us? Jesus then talks about the difference in the ages by talking about marriage. This is where you're really going to be interested, I think. The people of this age, many of the Sadducees, believed that men were, it says, to marry in a lot of translations. But that's not what it means. Let me tell you what it means here. The people of this age believe that men are to take a wife. Women, how does that make you feel? <laughs> men are to take, I mean, when the riddle gets shared with Jesus, that's the language, that's, if you translate the Greek literally, that's what it says. They try to smooth it out, some of the translations, to marry a wife. But no, you're supposed to take a wife because it is, um, it is a mathematical formula for the continuation of your progeny. So you take a wife. As a matter of fact, that is the language um, that, that most people used in that era of Jesus' life. And so what Jesus is saying to them all is that in the age to come, I know this is going to shake the foundations for some of you I know, and I, I'm sorry, but I'm just telling you what Jesus says. You know, I, when, when, we're, when we're visiting our kids in Chicago, we go to their church, and one of, their, one of the, the pastor often talks about how, he, uh, how he's preaching, and so you, you got to listen, but he said, sometimes I turn to meddling, and so you might think that I'm meddling here. Um, maybe I've turned away from preaching and I moved to meddling. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'll let you decide. As a matter of fact here, Jesus is saying that in the age to come, men will not have dominance over women. Men will not have dominance over women in making decisions about marriage. Instead, our relationships will be completely different. And they will be equal. Because you won't have to take a wife, men. Women, you won't have to be taken because your eternal, everlasting life is guaranteed and it is in place. There's no need for any more children. Some of you are thinking, phew. And, and, and so what Jesus is trying to tell us, I think, here it, is that as children of the resurrection, there's no need for marriage. And we can relate to one another as equals. Friends, brothers and sisters. And as we gather in that eternal kingdom, it will be blessed because death will be no more. And that all of our human relationships will no longer be centered around obligation. Be nice to your sister. But all of those relationships will now be lived out of love. 
Jesus then turns to the Torah to provide scriptural foundation for his interpretation of the resurrection. He said, when God spoke to Moses, he was still the God of the patriarchs and the matriarchs. He didn't, he didn't use the passive, I used to be the God of Abraham. I used to be the God of Jacob, or Isaac and Jacob. He didn't use the, the passive or the past tense. What he was saying was that they're still alive in heaven. Therefore, God is the God of Abraham and Sarah. And God is the God of Isaac and Rebekah. God is the God of Jacob and Rachel and Leah. And so the question that Jesus poses to the Sadducees is why would God provide an everlasting covenant to a bunch of dead people that can never come back to life? His point is that they are not dead but that they are among the resurrection of the dead. So remember that in Jesus you are marked as children of God by virtue of being children of the resurrection. In John's gospel, in chapter 10, Jesus says this, I give my sheep eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me for my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hand. The father and I are one. And that's what Jesus means when he says you are marked as children of God by virtue of being children of the resurrection. You have received this status in the age to come, not because of who you are, how much money you have, how well known you are, how big of an influencer you've become on TikTok or whatever. What this is saying is that you receive this gift from God that your sins are forgiven and that you now will live an eternal life. Jesus has given you eternal life and he did it because the Father gave it to him. And God is greater than all. Therefore, if the Father has you, no one will ever be able to snatch you out of the Father's hand. And that is God's promise on this All Saints Sunday. You will receive eternal life. You are children of God. And most importantly, you are children of the resurrection. Amen.